This Week in Agriculture, a production of the Red River Farm Network. With a look at markets, I'm Whitney Pittman. The Brazilian Ag Statistics Agency, CONAB, is estimating Brazil's soybean production at 155.2 million metric tons. That's down from last month's 160 million ton estimate. Corn production is forecast at 117.6 million metric tons, down over a million tons from the December estimate. Brazilian ag consultant Corey Melby describes this as a very conservative report and expects a bigger adjustment in February. USDA dumped a mountain of data on the marketplace Friday. U.S. corn production is estimated at 15.3 billion bushels. That's up 108 million bushels from the last report. The average corn yield is 177.3 bushels per acre. That's well above the average trade guess of just under 175 bushels per acre. USDA put the soybean production total at 4.2 billion bushels, which was on the high end of trade expectations. Yield is estimated at 50.6 bushels per acre, above the average trade estimate to 49.9 bushels per acre. The season average corn price was lowered $0.05 cents to $4.80 per bushel. The Agriculture Department put the season average soybean price at $12.75 per bushel. That's down $0.15 cents from last month. Van On and Company marketing specialist Steve Witt says the overall outlook from Friday's USDA reports is not good. World stocks only went up 10 million metric tons. All of that was in due to China. They were Their production alone was up 11 million metric tons. Right now, the corn market's taking it on a chin, down 14 cents. You look over to these soybeans, similar story. 50.6 for a final yield, up from the 49.9. We also had those stocks increase uh, a fair amount in the world as well, up to 114.6 from the 140. So if you just look even in the U.S., the average estimate, uh, we had 2.999 of grain stocks and 2.68 was the expectation. Beans in turn are down 30 cents. So this market is, is really struggling with digesting some of these numbers and looking just where we go from here. Witt says that despite strong wheat numbers, the market backed off. Wheat was really the only bright spot. Overall, we were expecting overall acres to be up in that 35.786 range, and we got 34.4. It was hard red winter, soft red winter, and white winter wheat were all down on acres. That's the only shining spot. Um, un- unfortunately, the market is not reacting in kind. You've got Chicago down 15 cents. you got Kansas City down 5 and spring wheat down 3. Really, overall, the, the tone is pretty negative after this crop report. Bauer Trading President Jim Bauer said traders are looking forward to moving on from these USDA numbers. Yes, I think the trade will be relieved to get past this particular report. This January report is notorious for throwing out kind of unexpected news. Now, I guess the key feature that we're looking at here, at least temporarily, is the yield on uh, the corn crop came in higher than expected at 177.3. The average estimate was 174.9, so that's negative to neutral number right off the bat. And then, of course, we've got the soybean, which has been kind of the focal point of most traders here recently. The soybean yield came in at 50.6. That's above the trade estimate of 49.9. Minnesota had an average corn yield of 185 bushels per acre this past year, down 10 bushels per acre from 2022. North Dakota corn yields came in at 143 bushels per acre. That's up 13 bushels. In South Dakota, corn averaged 152 bushels an acre. That's a 20-bushel improvement from 2022. Dry weather took the top off the Minnesota soybean crop. The statewide average yield was 48 bushels per acre, down 2 bushels from the previous year. 
North Dakota soybean yields are half bushel improvement over 2022 at 35 and a half bushels an acre. In South Dakota, soybeans averaged 44 bushels per acre, up from 38 bushels per acre one year ago. This has been a look at markets this week in agriculture. For the Red River Farm Network, I'm Whitney Pittman. A look at news this week in agriculture on the Red River Farm Network. With Congress returning to Washington, D.C. this week, a bill called the No Russian Agriculture Act is expected to see floor action in the House. This bill would instruct the Treasury Department to pressure international financial institutions like the World Bank to reduce their reliance on Russia for ag commodities. Fertilizer and grain are specifically mentioned in the bill. California Democrat Maxine Waters and Iowa Republican Zach Nunn are co-sponsors for this bill. The Houthi militant group is continuing to attack ships in the Red Sea, and it is increasing the cost of ocean transportation. Major shipping companies have diverted their ships from the region and sailed around the southern tip of Africa when making the trip to Southeast Asia. The Drury World Container Index, which tracks global container shipping rates, says rates increased more than 60% in the first week of the year. Insurance costs for these shipments have also skyrocketed. A group of Minnesota deer farmers have filed a lawsuit against the state of Minnesota claiming that a recent moratorium blocking the ownership of deer farms is unlawful. The ban was put in place by legislature last year to limit the spread of chronic wasting disease, but the lawsuit claims that the state cannot directly link CWD and wild whitetail deer with farm-raised deer. Minnesota Deer Farmers Association President Scott Fear says that the moratorium blocking operation of deer farms is preventing their constitutional right to run their businesses. The goal is to get our rights back and allow us to, uh, to raise deer um you know we can still raise deer but they're uh, the laws i don't know it's it's a uh, basically a death by a thousand cuts they keep implementing new new rules and regulations every year to the point where we can probably do commerce the biggest things are the constitutional um things with we cannot have any new deer farms in the state of minnesota ever again basically abolished and have any new registrations ever again in minnesota as far as my deer business I mean, I have two children that would have potentially taken over my, my deer business, but law reads that uh, I can only sell my deer business one time to a family member. According to Fear, all he and his fellow farmers can do now is wait for the judge's ruling. A federal appeals court has reversed a lower court ruling dealing with undercover video surveillance of livestock and poultry farms. Iowa passed this law three years ago, increasing the penalties for animal rights activists who use hidden camera video to document the treatment of animals. A three-judge panel in the St. Louis district ruled this law protects privacy rights and prevents the theft of trade secrets. In a separate decision, the appeals court determined it is illegal to knowingly make false statements on job applications to gain access to the business. South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem delivered her state of the state address to begin the new legislative session. Noem emphasized the importance of small government and promoting freedom. Last year I brought forward legislation that would have stopped foreign adversaries from purchasing ag land in South Dakota. China and other evil foreign governments are executing a plan to own our ag land and to control our food supply. Although last year's proposal to regulate these purchases didn't pass, we've continued to discuss solutions from all those folks that are involved and impacted. Congress has not taken action. We can't really afford to wait another year. And in just the past decade, China's ownership of American ag land has increased by over 5,300%. With the release of the USDA crop report on Friday, Van on 
and company marketing specialist Steve Witt says the overall outlook is not good. World stocks only went up 10 million metric tons. All of that was in due to China. They were Their production alone was up 11 million metric tons. Right now, the corn market's taking it on a chin, down 14 cents. You look over to these soybeans, similar story. 50.6 for a final yield, up from the 49.9. We also had those stocks increase uh, a fair amount in the world as well, up to 114.6 for the 114.21. So if you just look even in the U.S., the average estimate, uh, we had 2.999 of grain stocks and 268 was the expectation. Beans in turn are down 30 cents. So this market is is really struggling with digesting some of these numbers and looking just where do we go from here. This has been a look at news this week in agriculture. For the Red River Farm Network, I'm Tyler Donaldson. This week in weather, I'm Don Wick. We saw a couple blizzards that uh, socked in the nation's midsection during this past week. Further north, it has been the hazardous cold Wind chill values seen uh, as much as 40 below zero across much of the northern plains, and that's continuing as we continue into this weekend. The winter storm in the nation's midsection impacted the movement of livestock. Pluto Commodities market analyst Dominic Vericchio says that cattle weights may also come down. I know feeding conditions are not great. They weren't great coming into this winter storm. You know, here down in Kansas City along I-70, we spent a lot of time at only 35 degrees, so the ground never really froze up. So coming into this winter storm, we were really, really wet, really damp, and now we've just put a whole bunch of snow <laughs> on top of it. So, yeah, pen conditions would suggest that the, the weights are topping and going to top, and I think the cattle are taking that into account today. The extreme weather has resulted in feeder cattle being taken off show lists in the Midwest. Iowa State University Extension Beef Specialist Beth Doran says energy needs changed drastically with the cold temps. We've got you know some problems in terms of the amount of energy it's going to take for those cattle to maintain their body heat. And then for every degree below 32 degrees, they're going to have to increase their energy requirements 1%. We're down to basically zero. That means they've got to have 32% more energy than what would normally be. And that's assuming that the cattle, the hides are, are completely dry. That's going to affect, you know, of course, the average daily gains. I wouldn't expect that the gains, they're going to back off. They aren't going to be as great as what we would normally expect. The feed efficiencies, is going to take more feed to maintain them. So feed efficiencies are going to be poorer than we would be if we were dealing with more moderate weather. The weather also impacted the packing plant logistics in some areas. We've had our, our share of it. Uh, you know, I know from the standpoint of looking at the packers, I know we've got some indications right now. As you read on the Internet, you know that some of the plants down in Kansas were having trouble with their workers in terms of their workers not being able to get home due to snow. So we've been pretty lucky up here, at least from the standpoint of Iowa. Yes, we've had some snow. And yes, we've got some cold, but we haven't been in that severe blizzard condition, which is, of course, it's a bright spot in helping us. Ag Resource Company President Dan Bossi spent time in Brazil over the Christmas, New Year's holiday. Bossi says the crop in Mato Grosso does not look good. We did not like what we saw. The The, the crop is stunted. Uh, it's, it's populated poorly. Uh, it's not branching, and when we look at yield analysis, it's going to be somewhere between 30 and 50 percent below last year. I mean, I don't think people understand when a place like uh, Mato Grosso, which has sandy, loamy soils, endures a drought with short-season soybeans, which are usually 99 to 105 days, 
uh, without drought tolerance that the crop really doesn't do very well. Falling numbers certainly a concern for wheat growers. Some farmers expressing concern about the high variability with the same varieties from year to year. University of Minnesota Extension small grain specialist Joachim Wiersma says that's due to winter condition, the weather conditions during grain fill. Certain genetic backgrounds, if it has a cold shock in the basically the last week of the grain fill period, you get a disproportionate lower Hogbrook falling numbers, and they will run into the 250 to 275s. So hot year. All the Hogbrook falling numbers are going to be at three, 400. A normal year, you're going to be at 350 to 400. If we have a really cool year, we're going to be in that 300 to 350. But certain varieties then all of a sudden fall below that 300, even if there's no sprout damage. I'm Don Wick, this week in weather.